Hello and welcome to Mom Can't Cook, a DCOM podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Luke Westaway. And I'm Andy Farron, the other host. And what you are about to hear is a recording of our recent live show, uh, recorded live at the Prince Charles Cinema in London's Leicester Square, which is also where Kermode and Mayo do their Christmas recordings. Luke, what do you think of that? Well, I, I want to stress that we didn't choose the venue because of that. I think it's a very iconic venue in London, especially for cinephiles like us, decom yeah. appreciators. And also, uh, Kermode likes the occasional movie, I hear. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense. It, it makes sense that we, you know, would, would gravitate to the same venue. Yeah. Um, and hey, if we manage to go head to head with them in the, in the, in the ticket sales... <laughs> Who's to say who's who's, who's best? Um, so there, yeah, there the um, the podcast you're about to hear is us recapping the Twilight Zone, not the Twilight Zone, the Tower of Terror. Yeah, we you keep, wish we the keep Twilight Zone. Mistake. <laughs> the Tower of Terror movie, which aired on the wonderful world of Disney. Yep, starring Steve Gutenberg, Kirsten Dunst, and a bunch of other people. We will explain it all in the live show. I think the only thing that remains to be said is that we had a brilliant time and thanks everyone who made the effort to come out on a Sunday night in the midst of Halloween, risking getting got by werewolves, etc. on yeah. the trains home and stuff. Vampires and mummies doing the monster mash all yeah. through the streets. Exactly. Uh, You've got to watch out for that. Um, but yeah, this is a uh, film adaptation of a theme park ride. Um, it was when Disney were trying to make their rides seem cool. Same sort of era as the Splash Mountain rap, which I'm sure Luke is familiar with. I'm not, actually. You're not familiar with the Splash Mountain rap? No. Oh, Luke, what treasures. <laughs> oh, no, God, I don't think I want this. The lyrics are, you're riding on a mountain of your own free will. Yeah. <laughs> Just legally, we want to establish. And we all agree it's of your own free will. <laughs> anyway, sorry sorry to derail the intro already. So if uh, your hands let's... get crushed, it was your own free will. <laughs> let's uh, throw to past us, who are talking about the Terra Terra. That's a good ride too. I'm a fish boy who skates for Team X Blades with a leprechaun who plays basketball. Come to my smart house. My alien sister don't come hungry because I'll bet my mom can't cook. Hey, everybody! Hello, everyone! Welcome to Mom Can't Cook, a decom podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Andy Farrens. And I am the other of your hosts, Luke Westaway. And it is so lovely to see you all here tonight. Thank you all for coming. Can I ask, uh, hands up, if you had a hard time explaining what you're doing tonight <laughs> to a... Oh, OK. <laughs> Literally everyone. Cool. Wonderful. Did anybody lie? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Lord of liars amongst our fans. So are you, are you watching the film, or...? They'll show oh, no. the film, right? They'll definitely... Oh, no. No, there's no film. So what do you... Well, 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 you no, well no, there'll be, there'll be bits of it. A great total of about 90 seconds of the film. And then two guys will just talk about Michael Eisner and yeah. Commode and Mayo. <laughs> we'll see about the amount of film that these people reckon you can get away with showing without, without these lawyers Disney's getting in touch. <laughs> Without Michael Eisner kicking the door in. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of, we are here to recap mm. Tower of Terror from 1997. I don't know why I emphasised seven there. Um, but it was 1997. As opposed to the 1998 Tower of Terror, 1999 <laughs> Tower of Terror. There's so many stories you can tell with an elevator that goes like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, 
like Andy, why don't you tell us what the Tower of Terror is, is all about? Yeah, so if people aren't aware, has, who's been on the Tower of Terror ride? Can you put your hands up? Okay, so quite a lot of you, but there are people who haven't experienced the ride, which is essentially an elevator that does that <laughs> to you. Um, but I, I figured this would happen, Luke, that we would have people who didn't know what the Tower of Terror was. So I thought it would be best for the podcast if I were to take the Monkhan Cook credit card and travel to Orlando, Florida. <laughs> And sort of just film a little explainer so people knew, you know, had that context for this, for this podcast. That vital I've, context. Yeah, I've given you the video there if you just want to... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what it adds beyond what you just said about it being a thing that goes like that. Yeah. Okay, well, well let's, let's know, see. I have your report. So we stood in front of it so people can... There see. it is. The Tower of Terror is a Disney theme park ride based on the Twilight Zone anthology TV show uh, based around the Hollywood Tower Hotel, which you can see behind me here. In the fiction of the ride, the Hollywood Tower Hotel was a hotspot for the showbiz elite in Hollywood until it was struck by magic lightning, which turned its lift into a sick-ass theme park ride. Guests queue through the hotel's dilapidated grounds before entering into a lobby that seems untouched since the hotel's heyday and heading into a library where they are greeted by a Twilight Zone introduction from Rod Serling that gives them the ride's backstory. Tonight's story on the Twilight Zone is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. This, as you may recognize, is a maintenance service elevator, still in operation, waiting for you. From here, guests proceed through the boiler room and into the elevator in question, which then flings them up and down for about a minute. Not a lot to base a movie on, you'd think. And you'd be right. This is special Disney correspondent Andy Farrant reporting from Disney World on a business trip, signing out from this legitimate business reason to be here. End of video. I think it really adds a lot to the, the context and the understanding of the... Yeah, that was a very good video, Andy. Well Thanks. done. Um, Thanks. If, if I had a note, and I'm not saying I definitely do... Didn't, I didn't I need to be there for an entire week. I, is that what you're, th you're uh, going to say? Apart from the first three seconds, I noticed it was mostly voiceover. Um, <laughs> likely recorded from your London home. Uh, <laughs> or from the queue for the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, which I wrote several times to further understand the ride for the, this discussion. Okay, well... You casual. <laughs> Won't even travel to Orlando for these people. I'm a fake fan, it's true. Um, okay, well, I'm, gl I'm glad to have you back, Andy. Glad to have you back Thanks. from the US. And now we can now we can talk about the the Twilight Zone. Yeah. So this. No, we can't. The Twilight Zone is not in okay. this at all. Yeah, that's that's important to note because the the ride is based around the Twilight Zone TV series. Yes. But this isn't. This film is not. It's based about Steve Gutenberg being an asshole. Yeah. In a hotel. It is. It is. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, I did try to get a bellhop costume for tonight. But I was, you know, surprisingly hard to get. Well, Luke, luckily for you, they do sell, they do sell merchandise in the. Th yeah, this is another reason I went to Orlando. You're welcome. I take it all back. Oh, look, we have a beautiful. 
Oh. Hollywood Tower Hotel. Look at that. Bellhop hat that you can now wear for the rest of the podcast. That's great. Which side is the front? I guess it's the one that the says one that the Hollywood Tower Hollywood Hotel on it. Tower Hotel on it. So just put it on your hair. You'd, I just saw you spend ages doing. How'd, how's it look? <laughs> ah, it's good. It's an impressed snort. Yeah. Exactly the noise we want. Okay, right. Tower it's of good. Terror. No, not Tower of Terror. Yes, Tower of Terror. <laughs> not Twilight Zone. Not Twilight Zone. Not yes, Twilight Zone. Forget about the Twilight Zone. Don't Th forget about the Twilight Zone. It's good. Forget about it. Think about the Tower of Terror. Now, look, I'll, I'm going to be up front. Okay, no, let's go right. What is interesting about the Twilight Zone? So, okay, so science fiction in the 1960s was I'll like... i this off. Was like <laughs> it was an avenue for Rod Serling to examine themes that you couldn't normally in network television because of censorship, right? So Twilight Zone dealt with themes of like racism and uh, uh, the Cold War and things like that. And then Rod Serling died, and they went brilliant. <laughs> now we can make a ride about him that is a lift that goes. <clears throat> what is it? What's that satirizing? What is that poking fun at? Well, the way that it goes up and down is a lot like the. Stock market. Uh, I guess Nixon's fortunes in yeah. the 70s. The Cuban Missile Crisis. Of it's course. all in there. It's all, it's in, all there. in there. Just study the text. So, this movie that we're going to talk about is not technically a decom. Uh, it aired on ABC mm -hmm. on October 26th, 1997. Wonderful a, World of Disney. Yes, a presentation of the Wonderful World of Disney. Uh, we'd normally kick off the podcast with a Disney Channel promo clip. Yeah. But because this wasn't. Killing on, this Sunday! You won't believe this horsewoman. Is she, she is a horse and rides them. In an elevator. This six, is Tower of Terror. Yeah. Six, yeah. seven central. <laughs> yeah, six, seven central. Yeah. Uh, so because this wasn't actually on the Disney Channel, uh, we don't have that promo clip. But do not worry, because Disney was not about to let this movie air unintroduced. Strap the f*** in. <laughs> Just to set the scene, folks, we have an exterior shot of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror ride at Walt Disney World, Orlando, Florida. Uh, Michael Eisner is stood in the elevator of said hotel. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner. He's in the lift. Sound plays such an important role in setting the mood both in filmmaking and in our daily lives. He's wearing a comfortable jumper. So my best thinking. Just press the button. There's no safe. The elevator is moving. They always have such, such nice music. The elevator has been struck by magic lightning. The elevator is falling. Michael Eisen looks very unconcerned. He's plummeting. Wow. Oh, he's fine. Once again, a bright idea has come to me in an elevator. The next time, I think I'll take the stairs. Welcome to the wonderful world of Disney. You might think that he was all smashed up, but he wasn't. His jumper was just a bit pulled up. We actually didn't see below the waist. It could have been his legs and feet were all smashed up. Okay, he was severed um, from the waist down, but we don't see it. With incredible professional fortitude, he struggled on to he struggled introduce, on to introduce the, the movie. That's a real pro, folks. What? <laughs> what do you mean, Michael Eisner? What does that mean? It does... The idea that that is billed as an introduction from Michael Eisner, as if it gives any context to what you're about to see at all. It's like, hello, I'm Michael Eisner. Where did I get the idea for Tower of Terror? Well, I, I died in a lift. <laughs> 
Luke said to me, for this live show, we have a hard time limit. We have to finish at 10.30. Yeah. And I was like, great, not a problem. And he was like, also, I found this cliff of Michael Eisner <laughs> that you're going to need to talk about for like 40 minutes. Okay, uh, all right. So he says that he likes music in films. Yes. Okay, that's how he leads into this. He's like, yeah. man, music really is some sounds that you can listen to. And when, you know, yeah, I mean, it's Disney. Iconic music, iconic soundtracks, iconic songs. And that's why I love elevators. Yes. Do you get the impression that he's trying to say, I'm Michael Eisner and I live in an elevator? <laughs> yes. And, and what I do is every night I get into the one in the Disney offices and I tell everyone that I'm going out to my car. And if, any, if anyone gets in the elevator with me, I say, oh, no, I forgot something in my office. You go down ahead. And then when I'm in an elevator alone, I press the emergency button between <coughs> floors and I curl up under my blazer. And, and I, you know, yeah. and I come up with the idea for the Tower of Terror. Even though I'm the CEO of Disney, Mickey won't pay me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it explains a lot about DCOMs, that Michael Eisner is commissioning all of them from a crashing elevator. <laughs> Yeah, they, they do seem like the actions of someone who genuinely believes they have only moments to live. I, I like elevators, says Michael Eisner. They're so safe and nice, and the music is always so lovely. Uh, what, does, what does that mean? What's he talking about? That's nothing to do with the film. Elevators are a nice, safe place, unless... Unless... One is struck by lightning. Magic lightning. Magic lightning. Which, I mean, we don't know that's what's happening. We just see Michael Eisner die in a, an elevator. <laughs> but also, how does he survive? It looks very much like a fatal incident, but then he's like, oh boy, wow, G gosh. How it's, are you alive, Michael? It's, is it a coincidence? What deal did you make with Satan? <laughs> we know. We know. A is ring it... of endless light is the deal he made with Satan. Was well, a result of the, the yeah. deal. Yeah. Satan loves dolphins. <laughs> I mean, Satan's like, oh, I'll let you off, Michael Eisner. But on one condition, maybe one too terrible for you to agree to. <laughs> the real incident that happened when... I don't know why he's a pirate. The real incident that <laughs> happened when I took the dolphin's hands. You must dramatise it for me, Michael. Yes. <laughs> There's too much heat on me, Michael, over this dolphin hand thing. Make it seem like Misha Barton did it. <laughs> Make it seem like they gave up their hands of their own free will. No, that's better. So, when, yeah, so Michael... I know why Satan have a big cupboard of dolphin hands. So, unrelated to the film, Michael Eisner died in an elevator accident. And then yes. the film starts, which is about the, an elevator accident. I think what happened here is they had the film and they were like, OK, needless to say, it's turned out poorly. <laughs> And Eisner's like, okay, I'm going to have to bring a little star power to this. <laughs> we have situation. to bring a little of the old Eisner magic. <laughs> a little bit of the old Eisner charm. Also, I was a child in the 90s. In an and I loved, in an, And I loved Disney stuff. I didn't know who Michael Eisner was. <laughs> Did any of you know who Michael Eisner was when you were children? And he, he was deliberately trying to position himself as the new Walt Disney at this point, which is why he would appear in, like, a non-threatening sweater. But the thing about Walt Disney is, when he says, I'm Walt Disney, you infer from the context <laughs> clues, because his name is Disney, that he's something important to do with Disney. Michael I'm Eisner. Michael Eisner. It's like, well, why have you let him in? Who if, is he? If he'd legally changed his surname to Mouse, that would have... I'm Michael Mouse. <laughs> I'm Michael Mouse! <laughs> 
I mean, I can't believe he didn't. He should have. It was, yeah, it was right there. Fake so Michael man. Eisner died in a lift accident. Yeah, Michael Eisner died. Maybe this, I mean, maybe this wasn't dramatised. This really happened while he was filming. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, just maybe, a coincidence, the lift. Maybe crashed. Michael Eisner said, OK, I want to do an introduction to Tower of Terror and I just want to use it as a vehicle for me to talk about my genuine passion for elevators. <laughs> Because I really do. I haven't watched the film. Yeah. I've heard elevators feature. Yeah, I do. I spend a lot of my time in elevators. For example, when I'm at Disneyland Paris, and <laughs> and trying to get away from the yeah, rabid exactly. press corps. Yeah, for example, when people are saying in a meeting, "Hey, why is this failing so badly?" I'll say, "Oh, I just need to go. I left something in the <laughs> elevator." In the elevator. And and then I'll just go in there and I'll curl up in the corner. I'll go under in there my blazer and hope against hope that it crashes, killing me. <laughs> And then I won't have to face the heat. <laughs> We've done ten minutes on this friggin' Michael Eisner. Dis- Disneyland Paris employees with hatchets at the ropes at the bottom. Of the- I don't know how elevators work, despite having seen this film twice. I don't think it's a technical explanation of how elevators work. I know less about how elevators work. It's something to do with magic lightning, I think. Okay, regrettably, we, right have, to talk- we have to talk about the film. Uh, I know, I know. It is set on Halloween, that's... Kind of appropriate, right? Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah. So that's something that's good. Yeah, it opens. So that's, you know, let's see some smiles. <laughs> it opens on Halloween 1939. Yes, we, there's a date on screen that tells us 1939. Mm. Um, and we see that the camera pans across a, a table full of witch ephemera. Mm, there's some sort of ritual is being performed. There yes. are jewel daggers, a lock of hair, a yeah. book is open revealing a spell about a lunar goddess. Yes, the text of the spell is not two sentences copy-pasted uh, over and over again and it's not a story about a grisly murder so that's how you know that this Disney TV movie has a, a touch of class. Mm. <laughs> it's kind above. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the camera pans further to an invitation to a party at the Tip Top Club on the top floor of the Hollywood Tower Hotel. Um, it doesn't say that it's a Halloween party, even though it is Halloween. Yes. Uh, what it does say is that the party starts... It says, uh, yeah, October 31st, 1939. You probably don't need to give the year on a party invite. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I wonder it, what year this party yeah. is going to happen. Do I go next year or the year after? <laughs> <It's> an, <laughs> yeah. I hope I'm still alive when this party happens. Better specify the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What it does specify is the time. It says 7.30 sharp. Um, I have the note that no good party starts at 7.30 sharp. A good party can start at 10pm sharp. That's, you know, ooh, elite nightlife. A party can start at 7.30ish and be good, because then it's like a chill hang with pizza. But 7.30 sharp says to me, I want to get everyone out the house before Bake Off starts. <laughs> yeah, 7.30 sharp says you will leave at 10.30. You will leave at 10.30. Yeah. Yeah. Or and, else. And I will be talking about Bake Off. Yeah, the bake-off will be on. Everyone will have to be silent. Yeah. Um, so this invitation catches fire for some reason. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that doesn't make sense. So we get, we get a shot of the hotel, um, yeah. which uh, is directly in front of the Hollywood sign, which I feel doesn't make sense geographically. I, I mean, it would, I would, it would yeah. be in, in, like, a canyon. <laughs> it would be in a canyon, or, like, a freeway. I, I, mm. yeah, I'm trying to remember what's there. Um, it's, it's like on like a hill. The Hollywood sign's really far away. Yeah, it's away. really far out in really some hills. Out, yeah. So it would be like it would be in a bit of scrubland. This yeah, hotel. It's really far away. I mean, it, 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 what it is is the ride at Orlando. Yes. If you panned out further, you would be able to see the Aerosmith rock and roller coaster. <laughs> is what I'm saying. 
Um, thankfully, but, you can't. But the cowards didn't. Yeah. That'd be so good. 1939. Yeah. Also, Aerosmith. <laughs> Stephen Tyler is in an elevator. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how old he is, but he was probably rocking in 1939. Yeah. I don't. Having some love in an elevator, yeah. maybe. Hey. That's an Aerosmith reference. Yeah. That's kids and kids love that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So anyway, so, so we get a shot of the Hollywood Tower. We see the title of the film appears. Uh, there is lots of lightning. It's like a stormy night over the hotel. Uh, we hear a big band jazz sort of band playing. Yeah, everyone's um, jitterbugging yeah, like, like crazy. It's like swing, you know that song, swing, swing, swing. The bell hop is like jiving past. This is a hot yeah, party, exactly. the language of cinema tells us. Yes, uh, even though it looks like it's in a sort of high school gym that they've put some lights on, on in, but... You know, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's having a great time, even though they showed up at precisely 7.30. Um, yeah. So they showed up precisely at 7.30 and immediately started having a great time. Yeah, the paparazzi are like swarming people, such as the bellhop, a angry-looking woman, and a child star in a pink dress who sort of curtsies. And then yes. behind her, a brunette child lurks in the flowers, looking angry because she's brunette. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. She has brown hair. Yeah. So she has to sort of lurk in the shadows like Quasimodo. <laughs> yeah. Well, she has brown hair. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's, it barely can look at her. The, um, um, the, the, the child star, um, you'll see some clips later, but it's like um, Shirley Temple is what they're going for, like, energy-wise. It's like a, a kind of, like, old-timey, golden age of Hollywood kind of child star. Yeah. So behind the hotel, a big green cloud flashes. Um, lightning underscore not final PNG scrap. <laughs> flashes across the sky. Um, and yes, this storm is, is building as this party hots up. Yes, uh, at the front desk, we see a, a tall gentleman. He's waiting for someone. Uh, he meets a woman who sort of has a mask that she's holding near her face, but not like on her face. Yeah. So you can see her face, which will become important later. Yeah. Uh, ruining the film's twist. Uh, they sort of romantically uh, kind of trip into an elevator together, along with the little Shirley Temple girl, yeah. who was called Sally Shine. Uh-huh. So they're going to take the elevator up to the party. So this isn't the party. They're just no. dancing in the lobby for some reason. A, re a recurring issue of this movie is going to be that they shot it in the actual Tower of Terror ride, which sounds great. But if you've been on the Tower of Terror, you know that you queue in the lobby and then you go in the elevator and then you leave. Yeah. So they, they The lobby is the only hotel-themed part of the they ride. They only have the lobby. Yeah. So this movie is going to bend over backwards continually to find reasons why they're still in the lobby and why all of the action is unfolding in the lobby mm -hmm. of the hotel. Um, possibly the least exciting part of any hotel, but fine. Uh, so they, they, get, they get into the elevator. So in the elevator, we've got the tall man. We've got the woman with the mask. Yeah, bellhop. Um, yeah, the bell. We've got the bellhop and we've got... Sally Shine. Little Sally Shine and her handler, who is a stern-looking woman in a big grey coat. Called Emmeline Partridge. She's yeah. in the lift as well. The elevator doors close. The elevator ascends almost all the way to the top, but then suddenly it stops. It is stuck. Oh, no. <laughs> Powerful stuff. Very powerful stuff. Now, what do you think the next scene in the film is? Did you guess alien autopsy?
Because that is what it is. Because that's what's happened. That's what happens next. <laughs> Popular actor Steve Gutenberg is photographing an alien autopsy. All right. <laughs> He's uh, yeah, he's got he's got his camera out. There is a large, uh, like a sort of seven foot long chitinous alien lying on a gurney. A gurney. He, there's a surgeon picks up like a glittering bone saw. The music is all horror stings. Yes. Uh, the, the the surgeon sort of lowers the bone saw. To, I mean, what kind of alien autopsy starts with sawing off the head of the alien? I think it was going to, like, crack the ribcage, right? Just well, get that open. You'd be, you'd be, like, really careful, wouldn't you? You'd be, you wouldn't be... Not me. Of... I want to get at those alien organs. <laughs> well, it's like, it's probably the only alien would be like, what did you learn about its skin? Nothing. I ha hacked it apart quickly. Cracked I... it open to get at the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then the alien sits up, uh, its head falls off, and its star of stage and screen, Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Don't right. even think about it, she says. Uh, yeah, don't even think about cutting my head off, to yeah. be clear. Um, so the doctor is startled and uh, sort of falls over, pulling down a curtain. And we see what's really happening here. Steve Gutenberg is conspiring with uh, an actor and Kirsten Dunst to fake an alien autopsy. Yeah. The most shameful act a person can commit. So on a, on a deeper level, what happened is because Kirsten Dunst is playing Anna, Steve Gutenberg's character's... Niece. Niece, yes. So what he did was he made her get in an alien costume, lie on a gurney, didn't tell someone autopsying this alien that she was in there, and then took photographs of it. So that, yeah, that's what's... With unbelievable luck, Kirsten Dunst sits up and says, don't bone saw me in half. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Gutenberg, who we will... We're going to have to start referring to him by his character name because his character name is Buzzy. Buzzy Crocker. Buzzy Crocker. Buzzy Crocker. Just like a person would be called. <laughs> it's hard to write a film. Buzzy Crocker, yeah. So, yeah, Buzzy Crocker. So he's like, yeah, get in, get in this. Also, it's a terrible alien autopsy. He's taking photos. So why does it matter like, if Kirsten Dunst is in the middle of it? It doesn't need to wiggle around. I think he's trying to get rid of his niece. He's trying to kill Kirsten. Yeah. He's trying to kill Anna, his For niece. the insurance. Yeah. yeah. But <laughs> for the niece insurance. <laughs> the niece insurance. You've got to take out niece insurance. Oh, got, These things you, will rust up on you like that. Have you guys not got niece insurance? You could be looking at a pretty mm. big windfall if something happens to the old niece. If someone were to autopsy your niece. <laughs> so we, oh, find out, we find out that Buzzy makes a living faking paranormal happenings for trashy tabloids. He's <laughs> living killing his nieces. Yeah. <laughs> you really think you were the first niece of mine? <laughs> yeah, no, he's a fake journalist for tabloids, like yeah. uh, the National Inquisitor yeah. is um, his the, tabloid. We, yeah, we, see, uh, we see a copy of one of like, the, the tabloids that he's been writing for. There's a, 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 a story of his on the front page, Ghost Found in Freezer. Mm. <laughs> Needless to say, I paused it to see what else was on... What other stories were in this on this in this tabloid? Grizzly murders. Yeah. Anything like that. We have the following headlines: Baby rocker Nathan James loses diaper in concert. <laughs> is he a baby who rocks, or is he rocking the babies? <laughs> and more troublingly, how mayonnaise can improve your sex life. <laughs> Sub subtitle: Don't hold the mayo, says famous sex doc. In a film that Michael Eisner was like... He was in a crashing elevator. <laughs> Eisner, can you talk? Not really! <laughs> Here's the thing. We just got the edit back, and unfortunately, you can see on screen there's a thing about mayonnaise sex. <laughs> is, he, 
<laughs> the front page of this tabloid seems to imply you should have sex with jars of mayonnaise. <laughs> Do you want me to I can't hear you! Eisner's like, well, it's not gonna be my problem. Air it. Air Um yeah, so uh, he fakes stories for tabloids such as the the mayonnaise sex weekly. Well, um, well, 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 his story is fake. The mayonnaise sex is all real. <laughs> From personal experience, let me tell you. Yeah. Nothing fake about that. Well, it says can improve your sex life. It doesn't say will. You have to admit there's a chance. So... A slim chance. So Anna, the Kirsten Dunst character, she's yes. asking um, Buzzy Crocker, is any of this true? And he says, hey, kid, don't kid yourself. He holds, Besides... up, a, he holds up a jar of mayonnaise and says, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bet. You tell me. <laughs> so he says, besides sports and obituaries, most legit papers are just as bogus. Makes you think, doesn't it? So Buzzy Crocker is a journalist who's lost his fire. Yeah, except <laughs> where it comes to mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> Truth lost... doesn't count, he says. He's lost Selling his papers yes. is what counts. Selling papers is the only thing that matters. Uh, Do you ever want to write something real, says Anna, and then he says, I got a jam honey. I don't know if that's a, a follow-up story to the mayonnaise. I think he means I need to leave. But he does say, I got a jam honey. So, so we cut to a bustling newsroom. Uh, a well-dressed and clearly very mm. senior journalist called Jill is approached by an assistant... Yeah, this is the Los Angeles banner. It's a real yeah, paper. the LA yeah. banner. Uh, she's approached by an assistant and told he's here again. Mm -hmm. Immediately we know what's happening. Your lovable protagonist, Buzzy Crocker, is bothering his ex-wife at work. Mm. Uh, so Jill tells the assistant to send him away, but like the lovable hero he is, he sneaks into her office and ambushes her. Yeah, she enters her office and he's hiding in an alcove like a murderer. <laughs> because he's the protagonist and good. He literally jump scares her and then he says verbatim, I've got something huge, I'm coming to you first. I mean... He, he, pitch, he pitches a terrible story to her and Jill says, no. Buzzy goes to leave, but then he comes back with an emotional appeal because he just won't leave. Yeah. Uh, he asks if they can go on a dinner date. Mm. Why, Buzzy, says Jill. What is it that you miss? Is it me? Or is it all this gesturing to the sort of bustling newsroom? Mm. Buzzy doesn't respond, but is clearly wounded by the question. That is the end of that scene. Yeah. So what that establishes is that Buzzy is... Good. <laughs> okay. Just a, great, just a great guy. Yeah. Just a Buzzy, likeable guy. Buzzy slides a jar of mayonnaise out of his pocket. <laughs> I'm glad you said pocket. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it only said can. Not will. All right, so yeah, Buzzy is... <laughs> I don't think it's established that they're like ex-husband and wife, but they were romantically involved. Oh in yeah, I don't know if they. Yeah, I don't know if they were married, but yes. Yeah, yes, I think right, she right, dumped yeah. him because he's the worst man in history. Yeah, I think she she dumped him when she realised that mm. the the fact of him being the worst the man. worst man in history. Uh, so at, back at home, Buzzy is helping an elderly neighbour with some grocery bags. Mm -hmm. uh, he he asks, "How's your mother?" And Buzzy responds that she's been dead for ten years. Oh, says the neighbour. Then I think I just let a ghost into your apartment. Pretty spooky. It's not a ghost, it's just a random old woman. Yeah. Um, but how I wish that were true. It's yeah. the sort of sliding doors moment most decoms have where you're like, man, this could have been a cool film. Yeah. A ghost in Steve Gutenberg's apartment. No. 
No. Uh, instead, sat inside waiting for him is uh, an elderly woman. Yes, she's called Abigail Gregory, and she says she's read all of Steve Gutenberg's excellent uh, tabloid ones, including that one, I assume. Um, <laughs> that uh, one. Yeah, she's a fan, and she says that his insight into the supernatural is very impressive. Mm. Mm. Uh, she says that she has a story for him, uh, and she holds up an old magazine. Does this building look familiar? On the magazine is a picture of the, the Hollywood Tower Hotel. Mm -hmm. Yes, he says he's heard the legend. Five people disappeared mysteriously from the elevator, including Sally Shine, the movie star. Yeah, it made Sally a legend, so she's like a, a Hollywood legend in the sort of Monroe... Yeah, she was very vein. famous alive, but now she's sort of like a legend because yeah. she died. Yeah. Which is gross. Fine. Um, I'll tell you what really happened then, I says Abigail, because I was there. <laughs> Shouldn't say it like that, but... That's the implication. But, but Buzzy's curiosity? Boy, it's peaked. Uh, so we cut to Abigail has spread out some old newspapers over Buzzy's table. Uh, she says that Halloween is her birthday. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was no celebrating that night because five people died. <laughs> Ugh. I'm sorry, Abigail, that that ruined your birthday. <laughs> when, when five people, including your sister, died in an elevator. <laughs> That's sad for you. That is, that is sad. But yes, Abigail says that she knows what actually happened that night. Because uh, we should say actually, like, they didn't, like, the elevator didn't fall. Like you would expect in a movie based on a falling elevator ride. The elevator went all the way to the top. And as you saw, while it was at the top, everyone went like, ah. They got zapped by lightning underscore not final PNG. Yeah. And, and then they disappeared. Vanished. And then the elevator, I don't think, fell. So no, it just no, sort of stayed still, up. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. In fact, it's an important plot point that it didn't fall. Yeah, great. Uh, it's just sort of stuck up there. So finish that script for the Terra Terra movie. Oh, great! Does the elevator fall in it? Oh, oh man! <laughs> I knew there was something. Oh, uh, okay. To be to be fair, I did write it in a crashing elevator. <laughs> so, Mike, look, Eisner is just always on the hustle. When his elevator plummets. He's not thinking of his family. <laughs> He's thinking, could this be a movie? Could this be a profitable movie? And the answer is no. <laughs> but it could be a movie. <laughs> could this fill 90 minutes of airtime on the Disney Channel? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, no, ABC. <sighs> the Disney Channel right now is just blank, just static. <laughs> it's just a JPEG of Brink. <laughs> a JPEG of Brink with a speech balloon saying, why not turn over to ABC? <laughs> Something's happening over there, I hear. <laughs> Uh, so so yeah. anyway, so this Abigail, she shows a picture of uh, Emmeline Partridge, who is the nanny of the, Sally Shine. Yeah, yeah, the nanny, and and she has a very serious accusation. She says that the culprit of the disappearance was Emmeline. She's she a black magic witch. Yeah, she says that, she, she says that on that fateful day, she followed Emmeline into the basement and saw her doing a witch spell mm -hmm. to curse Sally. Let's see what that was like. Black magic. Oh. Everybody loved Sally. Everyone except Miss Partridge, and she hated the poor girl. And on that terrible night, her hatred cost Sally her life. Sally Shine also lived in the hotel, and that night she was coming home from a publicity trip, unaware of the evil trap Miss Partridge had set for her. But I knew, because I saw, Earlier that night, I, I followed Miss Partridge into the hotel basement, and what I saw there, I'll never forget. 
was a witch. And from her book of souls, she summoned the black powers of the underworld to curse poor Sally. I'm sorry you had to see that girl's brunette hair. It's distressing for all of us. audio listeners won't have to suffer through it, luckily. So, Emmeline's plan, according to Abigail, was to put a deadly curse on Sally Shine and then get in an elevator with her. And then die in an elevator crash. That'll, that'll teach her. Yeah. That'll settle her hash. Oh, I want her to die in an elevator crash, but I want to see it. I want her to die in an elevator crash, but how can I be absolutely sure she gets in? Yeah. I'll get, I'll get in too. I'll get in too. Well, well, if you don't get in, she could get out at another floor. That's true. She's going up to, all the way up to the 12th floor. That's many opportunities for her to get out. And if she survives, you need to finish her off with a jack or something. Yeah. Your shoe or something. Yeah. Sometimes the witch magic doesn't, not, doesn't kill them all the way. Sometimes uh, you have to hit them with your shoe a, a bunch. Uh, okay, so Buzzy thinks that Abigail is a simple weirdo. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and accuses her of being a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, she attacks him. <laughs> she, goes, she, she sort of she storms, really a, storms across the room swiping at him. Uh, she says that nobody believed her. But, but he seems like someone who'll believe any old nonsense. Yeah, so. he seems like someone who writes about ghosts found in freezers. And so. in A6. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Buzzy tries to tell her that... Uh, yeah, he says, I'm sorry, I don't want to burst your bubble, but I'm a huge liar. Yeah, he's, he says, look, I'm, 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 a, I'm, a, I'm a sham, I'm a, a scam artist. None, none, none of the stuff I write is real. The freezer ghost, he says, is, is Anna. Presumably he put his niece in a freezer. <laughs> He's trying to kill her, isn't he? Yeah. I'm telling you, that niece insurance. It's going to pay out. Cha-ching. Buzzy's going to be on a beach, earning 20%. Uh, so the woman, Abigail, the, old, the, the elderly woman, she says, I have proof. Mm. And she removes a key from a necklace. Uh, she says, this is the key to the hotel basement. Yeah. Where Miss Partridge cast her evil spell. Yes. Yeah, the hotel has been empty since this terrible accident, but... Her book of souls must still be there. If you could just find it, you'd make everyone see that I'm telling the truth, she says. Yeah. She can't go and get it herself, she says, because the memories are too painful. Mm. But she has, she has white hair now. It's not brown anymore. So <laughs> she can move freely amongst <laughs> society. <laughs> Re-enter society. Yeah. I don't know. It's a day walker. But people might, people might say to her, what colour did your hair used to be? Show me an old photograph. <laughs> I knew! And then beat her with shoes. She says, Buzzy, also, this also, is... it's been shut down since, like, 1939. Yeah. Skateboarders will have got in. Yeah. It looks like a Tony Hawk's level. Skateboarders will have got in and will be doing sick tricks. Almost certainly. They will, they will have turned the Book of Spells into, into a bong or something. <laughs> Who, who knows what they get up to? Your grasp of youth culture is truly impressive. Um, she says, Buzzy, this is your chance to write a story that people have been wanting to read for 60 years, and I'm giving it to you. Uh, the music swells. Buzzy holds in his hand the key of destiny to yes. the basement of the hotel. So he heads up to the hotel. Well, yeah, we cut to exterior shots of the Tower of Terror ride at Walt Disney World, Florida. Yeah. Uh, Buzzy walks up to the gate uh, and regards the Tower of Terror ride at Walt Disney World, Florida. Um, there are more external shots of the hotel. You can see the bit where the elevator doors open to the outside to give you a look over the park before your elevator drops. Yeah, the layout of this hotel is 
baffling. Yeah, we don't have a picture of it, but um, you saw it you, earlier. You've, you've seen the exterior already. It's, it looks like a theme park ride. It's a really long, thin Weird. main bit, and then it sort of is really wide at the top. It's a Tetris shape. Yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's the shape no hotel would ever be. It's the kind of shape that if you saw it in real life, you'd think, well, that looks like it's going to collapse or at least the elevator shaft is going to sort of go wonky. And Yeah, but it looks... And, and also it's about... They could fit, like, one room per floor <laughs> on this hotel. Well, it's very exclusive. Yeah, okay, fine. You have, you'd have yeah. 12 guests. Yeah, no, too. sorry, I forgot about the lobby. Yeah. 11. Yeah. And well, uh, 12 if you've got Eisner sleeping in the lift. Yeah, you've got to take the stairs. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's in the prestigious canyon in front of the Hollywood sign. Yeah. So, you know, a 40-minute drive from downtown. So uh, what, what, I, what I will say in the film's defence is that the ride looks cool. And as Buzzy approaches it, it, does, it looks really fake, it, I mean, but, it, but, it, but like, still cool, you know. Um, and he, as he approaches, he stops to pick a flower. Just uh, kind of guy he is. Just... <laughs> Uh, and he hears a snarling sound coming from inside. Yeah, there are monster sounds. There are monster sounds, like... Yeah. It's like that, it's like... And you're like, oh, cool. Finally something supernatural and cool will happen. And then a sort of man comes out and goes, hello, I was making monster sounds. It's very weird, because you hear the snarling and you're like, well, I think it's a fake-out and it's going to be a dog. Yeah. And then it's a man. <laughs> Which actually is a lot more frightening than a dog or a ghost. <laughs> yeah. He offers Buzzy a walnut, uh, and then he says, Sub. call me Q, as in the quartermaster. If you need it, I can get it for you. It's just a monster sound man with walnuts who lives in a... In a Hello, t- it's me, the walnut man. Yeah, it's hard to write a film. Um, played by uh, Michael McShane, who played Friar Tuck in that Robin Hood film with Kevin Costner. Mm, so there you go. Popular character, yeah. Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck. So it turns out that this guy Q, his great-granddad built the hotel... Um, which means that his granddad was Dewey Todd, the bellhop who we saw get into the lift earlier wearing the hat like Luke is wearing now. Imagine Luke. Simply imagine Luke. Simply imagine Luke. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so his granddad was Dewey. His great-granddad owned the hotel. Was unnamed hotel man. Undel- which means that... Hollywood gu- Tower Hotel is Hollywood, Yeah. That's his name. Which means that Hollywood, Mr. Hollywood Tower Hotel made his son be a bellhop in his hotel. <laughs> Which, you know, like, oh my, I mean, talk about starting from the bottom. Hey. Can we um, cut, clap, cut that? Just spike that on the, on the waveform, we can could, cut that could right you, out. Could you all just do like a really big laugh and we'll just cut that in? <laughs> that sounds sarcastic. Okay. So much of this friggin' movie to get through. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This Q is mostly a car mechanic, but he's also the caretaker of the hotel. The estate pays him. His great granddad shot the place down after the incident, and it's in the will that no one does anything with the place until someone figures out the mystery of what happened to Grandpa Dewey. A weird thing to put in your will, but I guess when you're a rich hotel magnate in the 1930s, you can just put whatever in your will. Yeah. Uh, so, there we go. So, Q stands to inherit. The hotel, if... If they, the mystery gets solved. He's the last the, living relative. If the mystery gets solved. So you think he'd be more invested in solving it? Yeah, but he's too scared to go in the hotel because he says it's full of ghosts. Hmm. Uh, he says it's haunted. Buzzy Crocker says, yeah, right. But then the doors close behind him by themselves. 
They do that in the ride, though. It's like motors and stuff. Yeah. Also, I mean, just real doors can do that. Yeah. Uh, so, Buzz, so, he, so Buzzy is now doing yeah. his first, first exploration. Into He's exploring the, the lobby of the Tower of Terror ride at Walt Disney World, Hollywood Studios yes. Park in Florida. Yes. Uh, he, so he's got a torch and he's shining it around. He's looking at the, the dusty lobby. Mm -hmm. uh, Tables are left with card games still on them. A vase lies on the floor. The flower's dead. Yes. He uh, pulls he, a fresh flower, the one that he the picked. The one he picked earlier. Earlier. And he puts, he <laughs> he put, he, <laughs> puts yeah. it in the vase. He rings the bell on the thing like, ding. This is his investigative journalism. <laughs> uh, he, hears, he hears the sound of an owl. It has come from an owl statue. And when he's not looking, the owl's eyes go orange, and it goes. <laughs> so ter terrifying. He goes. He goes downstairs. I mean, you don't see him go downstairs because there's no downstairs to go to. They only have the lobby. The scene moves to like a sort of kitchen. It looks like. Yeah. So they do. They did pay for one set. There's like a kitchen. A, a ki well. A room with some chains hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, you know. It's probably the gift shop or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. something like that. So, so he's exploring the maintenance co corridors. He finds the padlocked staff-only door, and he opens it with the key that he was given by Abigail. He finds the dusty table we saw in flashback, and it hasn't been turned into drug paraphernalia. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's still... It, it, it's, it's the spell book. So, so, so he picks it up, and he says... She's right, without looking at it or opening it or anything. <laughs> it's probably like a yellow pages from 1939. Mm. Or so. It's the phone book, probably. Or it's all LSD. <laughs> from, the t from the teens. Yeah. An LSD tab could be the size of an, an A4. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in olden times, it wasn't yeah. so concentrated, was it? You had, <laughs> you to, you had to eat a whole book. <laughs> yeah. You had to dissolve a whole book on your tongue. It took ages. It took so long, you never really got high. So he now, he's now Buzzy in his inventory now has the Book of Souls. He's acquired that. Yeah, so, um, so he goes back upstairs and is shocked to discover that the flower has vanished from the vase. Mm. He examines the nearby guest book and suddenly the page turns by itself. And someone goes... <laughs> Mild hauntings are occurring. Yeah. Uh, he's looking at the guest book, doing journalism, looking at the names, when suddenly a fountain pen flies downwards from the sky, stabby end first, and sort of sticks in the desk next to it, narrowly missing Buzzy's hand, and you hear a ghost go, aww. Yeah. <laughs> and, bu and then Buzzy is, is like, okay, that just happened, because it was the 90s. Yeah, and in the 90s you could be, never be sure of a fountain pen flying out of the air and... Yeah, was a ghost or just... Just one of those 90s things. Yeah. Could have been Tony Blair doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Where does your mind go if you think of the 90s? It's mostly the Disney Channel, to be honest, but... Not Tony... OK, yeah. fine. Uh, so, Buzzy is like, ooh, this is creepy. So he hastens to leave. And as he goes behind him, the face of Emmeline, the, the San, Sally Shine's nanny, pokes out of a mirror. And she's like, Ooh. He doesn't see it. She sort of wiggles her eyebrows for about 15 seconds. Yeah. And then goes back in the mirror. Yeah. So, so she's just sort of hanging out in the mirror. Yeah. So, and th and that's, that's all runtime, so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. 
So yeah, ghosts are ghosts are real and live in the in the hotel lobby. That's sort of kind of throwaway in this scene. Yeah, just like here's a ghost. What do you think of that? So scary, out, right? So outside, Buzzy is doing what anyone would do if you found a book of spells, and he's reading aloud from it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like the start of Evil Dead. Yeah. So he's like, what's this? Probably some stupid spell. I'll just start reading from it. He, he's, he's, he's sort of back. He's not at home now. He's at his sister's house, which is where Anna lives. Yeah, she's like trying to get him to help with anything around the house. She's planting trees for like charity or something. And he's like, will you F off and let me read this like, satanic manual Can you out plant loud? those trees quieter? Yeah, well, he's talking about this story. He's like, it's a great story and it's true, sort of. But all that's missing is a picture of the hotel's most famous ghost. And then his sister says... No way, you are not dressing my daughter up as a 1930s starlet in petticoats and then taking photos of her in an abandoned building. Which is presented as an unreasonable position. <laughs> Buzzy's like, oh, come on! Come on! I just want to dress her up as a 1930s petticoat starlet, girl. Petticoat starlet. And take photos of her in an abandoned building. Take her to a d- derelict for, hotel. For reasons I can't tell you. <laughs> But let me tell you... You've never supported my dreams. (laughs) You've always hated my work. So, yeah, Buzzy tries to sort of reassure her that the place isn't haunted, as if that's what she's worried about. She's worried that a length of rebar is going to detach from the ceiling and pierce her niece through the organs. (laughs) That's when the niece insurance really pays (laughs) out. Buzzy's like, listen, I'll cut you in on that niece. I know she's not your niece, but... <laughs> but, do you, but do you have a niece? <laughs> My daughter. Always like strangers on a train. <laughs> Off each other's nieces. I'm getting a niece pyramid scheme <laughs> going. Okay. Uh, so, well, yeah, his sister, Trish, she says, you're yeah. not using Anna for your weird photographs on account of how last time she nearly had her head, her head cut off during an alien autopsy. Yes, but unfortunately, Anna overhears this conversation and runs out of the house shouting, I want to be in... I want to be photographed in an abandoned building. (laughs) By my uncle... (laughs) in petticoats. So, uh, but look, look, the the thing is, Anna is, like, supportive of Buzzy. She really likes her uncle Buzzy. She's she's like, I want to help. She sees it as an adventure, because she's an adventurous character, a likeable character Mm. who doesn't get... Nearly as much screen time as Buzzy. Buzzy Crocker. Doing the stuff that he does. Yeah, she says that it's a cool story that people care about and it could get Uncle Buzzy back into a real newspaper. Yeah, she's really invested in in her uncle's career. Are any of you invested in your uncle's career? (laughs) Do do any of you know what your uncle does? Mm. No. Yeah, so they're like in unison. They're both like, please, uh, about this plan to, again, photograph Kirsten Dunst dressed as a child in an abandoned building. Yeah. Um, so it, that happens. Outside, we're, outside, we're back outside yeah. the Yeah, so we cut now. to an exterior shot of the Tower of Terror drop ride in the Hollywood Studios Park in Walt Disney World, Florida. Yeah. Uh, Buzzy is there with Q again, and, and Buzzy says, hey, what do these ghosts look like? Uh, Q reiterates that he, he's never seen one because he's never been inside because he's too scared. So Buzzy heads inside because he's not scared. He doesn't even believe ghosts are real or whatever. Yeah. Um, and Despite his hand nearly being pierced with a pen. I know. And how can he explain that? And a mirror ghost looking at his back, but he didn't see that. He's just... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, he has dressed Kirsten Dunst up like little Sally Shine. He's wearing like a blonde ringlets wig and a yeah. sort of pink dress with petticoats. I'll tell you what. Why don't we just see it? Look, by the time I doctor the pictures, nobody will recognize you anyway. 
If they do, I'm moving to France. Excuse me? You called for an actress? I'm, um, I'm Claire. Claire Poulet. I'm uh, Buzzy Crocker. Oh. This is my niece. This is my niece who I've dressed up like John Benet Ramsey in this abandoned building. <laughs> Needless to say, this woman walking in on this scene is immediately like, well, I fancy the pants off of this gentleman. <laughs> Needless to say, she immediately calls the police. Um, now, if you're paying attention, you'll notice that that woman was one of the people in the elevator at the start, thus ruining the film's twist. Because, yeah, they do... Just show her face in the elevator at the start. It's Jan from The Office! You, you saw her in the elevator, but now the film wants you to be like, who's this? Who's this mysterious character we've never seen in an elevator? Uh, so, yes, yeah, so she says, excuse me, you called for an actress. Uh, I don't know much about the casting process, but I think you have to be more specific. I think she shows up extremely confident, considering she hasn't been told what role she's playing. She's like, hello, you called for an actress. I assume yeah. this is right. I, I've, and dressed, also... I've, I've dressed like it's 1939. I assume this is what we're going for. And, and also, like, yeah, you turn up to an abandoned building where there are no lights or cameras or crew. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Steve Gutenberg. Yeah. Oh, you dress great, but no, you're actually ape attack victim number four. <laughs> <laughs> if you could make an, up... an ape would never attack someone dressed like this. <laughs> <laughs> you're all wrong for the part, darling. <laughs> Head over to makeup and they'll put some ape wounds on you. <laughs> So, so Buzzy is smitten with the woman from the elevator at the start, uh, who's a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, uh, she's called Cl uh, Claire Poulet. Yes, uh, and for some reason, Claire Poulet and Buzzy are just sort of immediately, like, all, all gaga for each other, making lovey eyes at each yeah. other. Well, she doesn't know about the mayonnaise stuff, so... But she will. May help. <laughs> So, so, um, so Anna is like, hey, I'm having a great time, but, but could we, like, get on with the thing that we're here well, to she's do? she's supposed to be playing uh, Ms. Partridge, right, the nanny, and Steve Gutenberg's like, oh, you're, you're all wrong for the role, because uh, he says that she's an old, ugly witch. Um, yeah. He's like, really judgmental about yeah. Ms. Partridge, having not, seen one photograph of her. Not like you. You know, Steve Gutenberg, there's no oil painting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, uh, so yeah, Anna's like, can we, get, can we get on with this, please? But then suddenly she freezes as, as if somebody walked over her grave because mm. she, said, she says, did, did you hear that? And Claire says, oh, you're right, it's music. And th there is indeed a sort of music playing. Buzzy goes to investigate alone. As he creeps around the hotel, the music gets louder. There's some, like, crowd noise and stuff. It's a bit like The Shining, in a way. It is yeah. a bit like The Shining. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, the memories of the hotel's past. Buzzy yes. has lost his mind by Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, he spins around just as the music stops. Uh, Anna, Anna joins him and they, they sort of creep through the, 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 the lobby of the hotel. <laughs> they creep and then back the other they, way through they, the lobby. They creep in circles around the lobby. Taking uh, care not to show the fast pass kiosk. <laughs> taking care not to show the queue of punters. Who <laughs> <laughs> are just getting didn't the, even the... close the right. <laughs> are you kidding? Out there, you, you find me the hour we can play. No. 
Uh, yeah, so the, the, the it's raining, it's pouring kind yeah. of song is heard, uh, sort of like weird nursery rhyme. They approach a rattling cupboard, but when they open it, nothing's inside. Um, then the What could be scary in the nothing? <laughs> anything? <laughs> literally anything. Literally anything. We can try literally anything. Um, maybe there was meant to be something in there, but props forgot to put it in, and they were like, well, we're not doing another take. Well, the props guy was in a crashing elevator when he was <laughs> assembling his props, so uh, that's bound to get missed. Then the corridor that they're in is bathed in green light, and ghostly rain appears to fall from the ceiling. And in this rain, the shadow of a little girl prances around in slow motion. I, I can't tell if it's way more scary or less scary than that sounds. Um, I'm not sure. What is funny, though, is that this haunting lasts about 30 seconds, and for that entire time, Steve Gutenberg is acting like he's trying to take a photo. Mm. 30 seconds is such a long time to pretend you're trying to take a photo, but can't for some reason. Yeah. Famously, to make a camera fulfil its only purpose, there's just one button. It doesn't take the... You know, but you know that thing in a movie where, like, something supernatural happens and someone has a camera and they're like, oh, 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 got to get my... Like yeah, that. it looks pretty convincing for about three seconds. Yeah, he's like, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, i got to get the F-stops just right. It's, this is all airtime. Keep me, going. Yeah, Keep me, going. Me just, I, don't want, I don't want the first we'll ever documented evidence of a ghost to have the wrong ISO setting, so I'll just... <laughs> We could fit another ad break in if you do 40 more seconds. And we are... Oh, no, the ghost oh, is it's gone. gone now. Gone. Oh, no. Gone. Oh. I'm going to take the world's best photo of this empty corridor. Yeah. So that's a kind of nice escalation of the scares. A little, a little gentle ramp up of the scares. We've got the little girl in the corridor. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, a good sort of creepy movie does have... It knows how to escalate horror, right? Yeah, and so what happens next is a, a body on a wheeled gurney rolls towards them, sits up, has no head, and is grasping a meat cleaver. <laughs> and goes, ah! <laughs> you know, the natural progression. Yeah. So, uh, they're scared. So they run away. Uh, they run out of the building, and they tell Q and Claire Poulet... Uh, what happened. Um, Buzzy is, even though he's seen a real ghost, he's not like, wow, this has made me rethink my life. He's like, good, I can take a photo of this and become, yeah. and, and have a good career again. Oh no, the afterlife is real. I should stop doing all the things I do. <laughs> or take a photo of it. Yeah, there's the two options. Um, that, that will fund all of the things I do. So he's like, well, we've got to bring Jill down from the banner. She'll see this story with her own eyes. And yes. I, I feel like at this point he has, like, really big Kirk Cameron in You Lucky Dog energy. Do you know what I mean? Y yes, in that he's Awful. extremely unlikable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's like, then Jill will love me when I prove the existence of ghosts. Yeah. This oh, swoon. <laughs> and, you, and you've stopped the mayonnaise stuff. All right, I'm back in. I've, I've dialed back. <laughs> I use the right mean, stuff. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's like, this is the most incredible story in history. I can prove there are real ghosts. Tomorrow's Halloween contributes Q. That's all he says in the scene. <laughs> yeah. It's hard uh, to write a film. Luke, come quick, there's been a terrible accident. Oh, no! Michael Eisner's been in a lift accident. Oh! He's all crunched up. He's all crunched up? He needs a doctor, and fast. Yeah, but 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 he, he needs one that takes his insurance. Well, I don't know what kind of insurance he has. Like, I'm asking him what what 
what the situation is regarding insurance and he just keeps talking about all his great ideas he had while he was plummeting down in the elevator. Oh my gosh. He's talking about some kind of Disneyland in Paris. He's not making any sense. Okay, we gotta, we gotta get this Eisner champ the medical help he requires. Okay, no worries. I know exactly what to do. We need to take his phone out of his pocket yep. and we need to download the well, I've got his legs here. He was severed in the middle. Oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, just so grab I, his phone. Okay, I'll get it out of the pocket. Yeah, there we go. Um, and yeah. we need to download the app ZocDoc. Easy, I'm doing it now. Which is a free app, which people like Michael Eisner, who live in the US, should certainly be interested in because it's a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated, patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can certainly find a specialist in haunted elevator accidents mm-hmm. uh, because you can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, uh, cover haunted elevator accidents are located sure. near you, and yeah, treat almost any condition you're searching for. Okay, I searched for legs cut off in lift accident. Um, there's someone here that can definitely treat Mr. Reisner. I think he's going to pull through everyone. That's great. That's great. Oh, actually, I'm looking over there now, and he has got Darth Maul spider legs already. <laughs> the, Dis- the Disney medical drones were dispatched the second the lift impacted. So, okay, maybe it's not from Michael Eisner, but for everyone else, go yeah. to zocdoc.com mcc and download the Zocdoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's zocdoc.com slash mcc. Zocdoc.com slash mcc. Andy, why mm-hmm. do you suppose that the character of Buzzy's niece in this movie... Yep. Is spending her youth being photographed in derelict buildings with her uncle. Do you think it's because she doesn't have enough wholesome pastimes at home? I mean, that's possibly one. Re- I can think of a lot of reasons. Yeah. But that could certainly be one of them. If only yep. she had something to do. Exactly. Well, Buzzy, you need to tell your sister about Ravensburger's brand new Cree art product. It's the ultimate painting by number experience. It's an awesome little hobby set uh, for kids. And let me tell you, it is going to be so absorbing. You won't even be dreaming of going to a yeah. derelict hotel to Sorry, be Uncle Buzzy. No ghosts. time to come to a derelict building and take yeah. photographs with you today. Because whether you're a seasoned artist seeking a new challenge or a beginner eager to explore the world of painting, Ravensburger's kids cater to all skill levels and ages. Embrace the therapeutic benefits of painting by numbers as you melt away the stresses of daily life and find solace in the act of creation without facing the pressure of a blank canvas or your weirdo uncle trying to drag you to an abandoned hotel. Get dissected in an alien costume? No thanks, Buzzy. Instead, I'll easily explore Ravensburger's wide selection of enchanting designs on Amazon. They range from majestic landscapes to adorable animals and everything in between. So there's really no need for me to get in that alien costume, Mr. Buzzy. I'm afraid you'll have to maybe do it yourself or... Or, yeah. Well, I don't know. You know what? It's your problem. You figure it out. So you let your imagination run wild with that, Buzzy, and I'll let my (laughs) imagination run wild with Ravensburger's Creart. Embrace the joy of painting with Creart by Ravensburger. Shop Creart on Amazon today. So Buzzy goes once more uninvited to Jill's place of work. Uh, this time she's being professional and normal. Yeah, he he chases her through the office. She runs away, but he grabs her by the shoulders and screams in her face that he knows what happened to Sally Shine in the elevator that night. He hides behind a mail cart and then physically grabs her by the arms yeah. and screams in her face. It's extremely uncomfortable and unlikable. Also, he's, he, yeah, he's wearing a suit jacket and jeans as well. So just have that mental image. <laughs> To add to his litany of crimes. Yeah. Um, Steve Gutenberg's audio is peaking a bit in this scene, which suggests to me that he's giving it about 50% more than the production team asked for. <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't remember the ghosts are real! And it's like, <laughs> like that. Do you think he was possibly under the impression he would be paid 50% more? 
What if he was 50% louder? Yeah, yeah. He's pay- paid by the decibel. He sort of heard it on the grapevine <laughs> yeah. around Hollywood. Yeah. I'm, yeah Someone was prank. Kevin Costner was pranking him or yeah. something. Nicholas Cage is like, hey, you know how I get more money? Real loud. <laughs> I, b- I would believe that from Nicholas Cage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plausible. So anyway, Buzzy tells Jill that he has an eyewitness, who is Abigail, you'll remember, and that the victims never left because they're all still in the hotel as ghosts. Yeah, get, get out, she says. <laughs> Please come and see the ghosts, he says. He, yeah, he grabs her again and starts yelling, um, why, why, can't, why can't you report the truth, says Jill, and he says, this is the truth! Yeah, 50% louder than necessary. Yeah. Um, um, so it basically, this scene ends with him getting kicked out of the newspaper office. Again. And, yeah, and then sort of the film trying to make you feel bad about that, despite it being objectively the correct outcome. Yeah. Um, however, uh, Jill gets on the phone after he's left and asks for a background check on Abigail Gregory. Mm, the um, old woman f- the old, from yes. his apartment earlier who sent him on this quest. Because Jill is a real journalist. <laughs> And is ready to do even the most perfunctory background check (laughs) on the person who shows up going, I know what happened to Sally Shine. So anyway, back at Shea Buzzy, uh, Anna is... It is Shea Buzzy. Yeah. So so back there... Buzzy is such a strange... It feels like a nickname. Buzzy. That you got in a really unwholesome way. Yeah. You don't want to know why he's called called Why they call me Buzzy. (laughs) So, yeah, um... <laughs> so, yeah. His so, niece is lying to her mum over the phone about not going to the abandoned building to take photographs. Um, yeah. But then uh, Buzzy comes in. He's like, wait until you hear what Abigail found. This is more disturbing than we could have imagined. Yes. Abigail says that Ms. Partridge used black magic to banish Sally to the underworld for an eternity of pain. The spells are all right here in the spell book. Let's see it. Ms. Partridge used black magic to banish Sally to the underworld for an eternity of pain. Uh, The spells are all right here. Nice nanny. But it didn't work. Well, to complete the curse, uh, the witch has to have an identifier, something that belonged to the intended victim. Ugh! Well, tell me this is Sally Shine's hair. Yeah. Uh, But she had no identifiers for the rest of the people on the elevator. So instead of zapping Sally, the curse kind of half-zapped everyone, including Miss Partridge. Hmm, what's this? E.P. Emmeline Partridge. Mm. Just gonna rub that all over my face. <laughs> what is it? Oh. Oh, it, it's forensic evidence. <laughs> yeah, I'll just get my paws in there. Yeah. So this is unbelievably complicated now. Okay. With curses and signifiers and identifiers I, and magic. I really don't want to get too far into it, but the way that this spell works doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. So, so the idea is that, like, to finish a curse, a witch needs an identifier for the victim, and she had Sally's hair, but because she had no identifier for everyone else in the elevator, it just sort of half-zapped them. But surely not having an identifier is how the spell excludes yeah. people. <laughs> You would need an identifier for the entire planet. It, it, it doesn't, yeah. Like, if you're the spell, you're like, well, which one am I zapping? The ones with the identifier, Sally. Yeah. But, oh, there's no identifier for everyone else, so I'll What if hide. I half zap these people in the lift and everyone in the world? Half zap. Just to be safe. 
also, like, and when you say half zap, you mean they become a ghost. But yeah. don't go to the underworld. Yeah. So the idea, so the spell was supposed to send them to hell. Are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to send people to hell even if they were nice? <laughs> yes, I would so See, yeah, this gosh. is. Yeah, okay. Okay, fine, whatever. Fine. Um, so the spell has trapped these people in limbo between this world and the next. They're stuck in the hotel, but Anna and Buzzy and Q, they can help them because tomorrow night is All Hallows' Eve, the night of the curse. The one night they can use the book to break the spell and release those poor souls. Yeah, um, Abigail says that she can perform a seance to do it. Yeah, but they need an identifier from each of the other five people who are in the lift yeah. um, to undo the curse. So that's the thrust of the plot now. Go and yeah. get these identifiers. They already have a few. So, you know, because they've got Sally Shine's hair with Steve Goodenbow's fingerprints all over it. Yeah, uh, he wiped the handkerchief all over his face. Yeah. This is just going to zap Steve Goodenbow five times. <laughs> Which actually, that would be a pretty good ending. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> his soul goes to hell. Get those identifiers out of your mouth. <laughs> so we cut to later that night, and Buzzy is still reading the, um, the spell book, and he keeps reading this bit of the spell book that says um, a... It's like a spell of passion can only be undone by its counter... Contrary. Contrary, that's it. He keeps reading this bit. It literally doesn't make sense. Yeah, but it's important for later. Um, Ish. (laughs) As important as any of this is. Yeah, so he's reading about passion spells. Anna is trying to sleep on the couch, and she's like, why is this story so important to you? Um, She says, kind of desperately trying to stop him reading sex spells next to her while she tries to sleep. He says, I think it's just been so long since I wrote about something that I believe in. And and she says, so I guess the truth does count, seeing the noble man inside her uncle. (laughs) So... So back at the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror thrill ride in Disney World, Q is telling them about the other guests. There's Gilbert London and Carolyn Crossett. Uh, he was an actor, and she was going to sing at the Halloween party, and they had rooms in the hotel. Yeah, and it was rumoured that they were having an affair together. Yeah. Um, so now we know everyone who was in the lift, right? And they've got Sally's hair. They've got a hat from Dewey the Bellhop. Yeah, Q has a hat belonging to his granddad. Q is like, hey, this is my granddad's hat. They got Presumably the Presumably not the one that he disappeared in. Just a different one. Yeah, they got all the blood out. <laughs> yeah, so um, they so just need things from Gilbert and Carolyn. Yes, yes. So uh, it's like a scavenger hunt. They're going into the hotel to look for these items. Or are they? Because um, suddenly Claire Poulet rocks up, uh, who hasn't been told that the photo shoot is off. Uh, because now the new plan is not to take photos, but to scour the hotel looking for items, do a scavenger mm-hmm. hunt, and then a seance. The only problem is that Buzzy quite badly wants to have sex with her. <laughs> I'm sure he will very badly have sex with that. <laughs> so Buzzy's like, okay, I know we were going to go inside and find identifiers for these ghosts, but instead... What if instead? What if instead I went off to the queuing area and photographed this woman while you, my niece, sort of basically take care of this ghost stuff yeah. solo? That cool? Cool. Yeah, I'll be taking photographs in the lightning lane outside. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes off uh, to yeah to take photos of Claire. He's like, oh, the camera loves you. She confides mm. that this is actually her first acting job. He gets really close to her face and tells her that she's really talented. But she's, we get Buzzy's like tragic backstory here. He explains um, how he used to write front page stuff for the banner, and then a guy came to him with a story about the mayor and taking a bribe from the mob. Yeah, but, that's right. Uh, and and Buzzy wrote it up, but it turned out that the video was a fake. 
And uh, as a result, the LA banner dumped the blame on him and kicked him out. Yeah. No paper has hired him since, uh, but now he's going to come back with a grounded, well-researched story about hotel ghosts. <laughs> you just... You want to move to the UK, Buzzy. We do not punish newspapers for... <laughs> printing... For print, printing lies. Printing lies, yeah. yeah. Um, so... So yeah, so, so what? So he's what, let his niece go into the haunted hotel on her own, basically, and she's in the hotel. Haunted derelict hotel. It is so dangerous. Yeah, but he's outside, being like, click, click. So click. she's walking through the lobby. The camera's panning through the lobby. Goes, she walks behind a pillar, and in front of the pillar, you see the dangling legs of a hanged man, sort of twitching. <laughs> it's terrifying. And she's in there on her own. She's in there on her own. Yeah, but because she's trying to help the ghost, dressed as a. 1930s starlet at this point, right? Or is she... No, no, no. She's in her normal okay, clothes fine. now. She's in, Woo! she's in, yeah. It's 90s, all right then. 90s grungy clothes. Good. Um, so, yes. So, 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 so. Anna goes to look at the guest book um, and she, she skims down and she finds, hello, Gilbert London, room 809. She looks for the key behind the desk to room 809. Uh, there is a note in the little, you know, nook, nook, nook thing. Uh, the note says on it, hold for Gilbert London on the outside of the envelope. And inside are a pair of spectacles. So, bam, easy, done. They were able to find one of the items in the lobby. I was lucky. <laughs> That's but great. Surely the second item won't be in the, lo the lobby. They'll be no, they're not the... gonna, no, they're not going to find all the signifiers in the lobby. Yeah, I mean, room 801, there are at least 801 rooms in this hotel. So yeah. we'll see another one. Yeah, we'll see a room. Yeah. We'll see a room of the hotel. Yeah. They're not all going to be in the lobby. Meanwhile, outside, uh, Buzzy is telling Claire that this story is going to be his redemption. And she's like, hey, I thought you cared about helping the ghosts. And Buzzy says, what do I care about some mouldy old ghosts I don't even know? Yeah. It's really funny to me, the idea to care more or less about ghosts, depending on whether you know them. Celebrity ghosts. Celebrity ghosts. Or like if you were like, say you're in like an old, like a and b or something and like yeah. a kind of a headless bride comes through the wall and you're like, who are you? Yeah. I don't even know you. I was in a few episodes of Baywatch. <laughs> Haven't seen them. What's your, I'll IMDB you, what's your name? Your, your profile picture's a question mark. Yeah. Probably because uh, your head's not on. Yeah. <laughs> um... So, 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 so yeah. So so anyway. Um, uh, yeah. So so Buzzy says that he doesn't he doesn't care about ghosts. Claire is oddly wounded by this comment because she's a ghost. <laughs> Which Spoilers. that's not us spoiling it. You've seen it. You, you saw her face earlier. You saw her in Film. the in the opening scene. So she sort of huffs off. She had a mask in the opening. <laughs> yeah. And, and then took it off. She was like, oh, uh. Uh, here's my face. Anyway. It's me from the office. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Anna has found, it, it, back in the hotel lobby, has found, this is good luck, Carolyn Croissant's luggage claim check slip. Um, so she's like, hmm, luggage slip. Yeah. Luckily, yeah, luckily, this thing is also at reception. Uh, so that's good. Yeah, she said, um, and then like an inkwell spins over and ink starts sort of going everywhere. And she says, don't, don't mess, I'm, I'm here to help you, as uh, ink drips over the page eerily. And then uh, the ghost of Gilbert comes out and he says, if anyone needs help, it's you. And he has a cleaver. Let's see it. If anyone needs help, it's you. Checking in. 
scary doesn't make any sense in terms of the plot of this film in which these ghosts need her help to stop being ghosts why are they trying to kill kirsten dunst i don't know why are they trying to scare her why are they trying to creep her out why are they like kind of like tugging on a noose yeah like, what is is a nice stewie the bellhop gonna hang kirsten dunst no i don't know but that's that's what yeah i don't the film never explains this like the idea like why are they trying to why why are the ghosts trying to scare Scare them out of the hotel Scare when they actively the need them in the hotel to fix the elevator. Anyway, I don't know. Okay, oh. so the only ghost you don't see there yeah. is Sally Shine, who then, after this scene, she comes out and she's like, hello, um, instead of trying to murder you, I will ask if you can help us fix the elevator. We have to get to the party, she says, yeah. like a ghostly little girl, and then vanishes. So Anna, having been haunted senseless, runs outside and finds her uncle trying to have sex with a ghost. <laughs> in the lightning lane. I beg your pardon? You heard. I, I don't know how it works with ghosts. I, cut, cut to... West, a sensitive portrayal of a mental health uh, institute. Westchester Sanitarium. Mm. Uh, Jill, who I'll remind you is a real journalist, is talking to the manager of this place. Um, she has basically tracked down Abigail to this... By doing a well-researched background check, yeah. Yeah, by doing even the bare minimum. Um, she's walking and talking with the manager. Um, he says, oh, Abigail, yes, how is Abigail? Um, he reveals that she's been in the sanitarium since spring of 1940, and only recently did he deem her fit to venture out into the world. Yeah. Um, and Jill is like, whoa. And then we immediately cut back to the hotel. Because yes. The that's not interesting, I guess. The film is annoyingly going to like cut between these now for a bit. So back at the hotel, Anna tells Buzzy uh, that she found the luggage claim check for, for Carolyn. Yeah, he's like, oh no, room 802. We're going to have to go all the way up well, to... Well, this one's room 1012. Oh, okay, so they're going to have to climb 10 flights of ten. Stairs. Yeah, we're going to have to climb 10 floors, says Buzzy. Yeah. Oh, Strong, wait. Yeah, the strongly... luggage is here in the lobby. <laughs> No, no, really. <laughs> the luggage is actually Buzzy here. says, that means we've got to climb ten floors. And then Anna says, not if her luggage didn't make it. And Not they, if her luggage was here in the lobby. And they look behind and the desk and there's her suitcase. Yeah. So they open right the case. Here, right here in the lobby. Right here in the lobby. So they, so they, open, they open Carolyn's yeah. um, uh, luggage, revealing beautiful items. Uh, there's a hairbrush. There's a box of exquisite jewellery. Mm -hmm. um, she takes a pendant um, as the sort of identifier. And, and she, then Yeah, she opens it up. And then all the ghosts materialise. Uh, Gilbert is there. Um, Dewey Todd, the bellhop. Yeah. Um, Sally materialises. And they're all nice now and not trying to kill her. And that's never explained. Yeah, uh, but Anna's looking at the picture in the locket. She says, "You'd better come look at this, Uncle Buzzy." Why? Let's find out. It's okay. It's all right. I can't believe this. For the last oh, five, five minutes, minutes please, you're like chipmunks, softly chattering in my ears. Please go away. We're making a bad impression. Well, I suppose you're going to make a grand entrance now. Carolyn Crossan is my real name. 
my stage name is Claire Poulet. And maybe I'm not such a bad actress after all. Whoa! As a reminder, here is a still from, like, the second scene of the movie. <laughs> just, just right there. You see her too, right? <laughs> um, okay, so I know that Andy will want this cut out, but I'll just note that Gilbert London is played by Alistair Duncan, who voices Keller Brimbor in Shadow of War. <laughs> Tolkien references, just anything out is... So, big twist. Cut back to the sanitarium, uh, where the director of the facility is happily sharing patient information with Jill. Um, they go to Abigail's door, and they, they knock on it and find that she's not there. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Daniels, this is the... Sorry, is this the point where he explains about Abigail's relationship? Yes. Yeah, he explains that Abigail was actually Sally Shine's sister, but was unfortunately born congenitally brunette. <laughs> You hate to see it. Um, back at the hotel, uh, Claire Poulet explains that she wanted to check Buzzy's intentions for the ghosts. Uh, Gilbert explains that uh, Claire is infatuated with Buzzy because he put a flower in a vase and it was very sensitive of him. That's what he says. I don't know. We're just telling you what happens in the film. Yeah. Don't be mad. Uh, okay, so um, the ghosts aren't sure about Buzzy's plan to take some photos and make the ghost famous uh, and it transpires as they have a little sort of bickering argument that they blame Dewey the bellhop. Um, he says well maybe it is all my fault, I'm terrible at everything. Um, he says I couldn't even do my one job correctly. Mm -hmm. His one job of not getting fatally struck by lightning. <laughs> the actor who plays Dewey played the weird little kid in Children of the Corn and also Cousin It in the Addams Family films. So. So there you go. Wow, there you go, that's yeah. good. So yeah, uh, they don't really know what happens. And never got fatally struck by lightning. Never got, yeah, so good job. Yeah. So Anna, Anna now lays out the, it was um, Ms. Partridge who did the, uh, the evil spell um, yeah, Anna's theory. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so Anna's saying to the ghosts now, like, hey ghosts, Emmeline em, em, Emmeline Partridge is the one, the evil witch. She's um, an evil witch. She hated uh, Sally and wanted to kill her with black magic. And then Ms. Partridge walks in and she's got like a sweet Irish brogue. And she says, I'm nice, actually. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, oh, okay. Yeah, fine. they're like, no, not Emmeline. She loves Sally Shine. Yeah. And Emmeline's like, oh, I love Sally Shine. Yeah, everyone agrees that even though Emmeline Partridge is hideous to look at and in her 40s, <laughs> she would never murder a child. <laughs> a, a step I don't think Steve Gutenberg is yet willing to take. But... But if Mrs. Partridge didn't do it, then who did, says Steve Gutenberg of this film that only has three more characters, only one of whom was alive in 1939. <laughs> Back at Abigail's. Back at, yeah. Struggling to piece it together. Our hero, Buzzy, the investigative journalist. Cut to the sanitarium. Uh, the manager of the establishment has just left Jill in Abigail's room and is like, just touch her stuff if you want. Yeah. So she's, she's rifling through all of Abigail's possessions and finds a hidden compartment in her steamer trunk. When she opens this up, it is genuinely terrifying. It's full of newspaper articles about Sally Shine with the words suffer and hate and pain and bad sort of written all over them, mm -hmm. like over and over again. It's real serial killer stuff. Um, there's a Sally Shine doll with its head ripped off. 
Um, so, yeah, it, it seems that Abigail had them all fooled. She yeah. is the witch. So, yeah, Jill takes the decapitated doll as evidence. And back at the Hollywood Tower Hotel, Buzzy opens the elevator shaft. And you can see the car. It's stuck up on the 11th floor, which is one floor short of where it needs to get to to get to the party and break the curse. We, we have a clip of this because, honestly, like, there's, some, there's some ghost party lore in this that, that I don't fancy trying to explain. So, <laughs> is it an exciting clip? No. Is it going to make our jobs easier? Yes. Party's been over for about 60 years. You're wrong, old man. Party never ended. We hear it every Halloween. They're waiting for us. But we can't get to it because the elevator's stuck. We tried the stairs, but we can't get past 11. It's like a curse. Then at 8.05, the party ends. Until the next year, it's torture. So we fix it. Really? How? Uh, well, how hard can it be? <laughs> how hard can it be to repair a 60-year-old broken elevator if you've never done anything with an elevator before? Probably not very hard. Yeah, also, they're not, easy. they're not, like, repairing the... Uh, anyway, it, it doesn't... So, Buzzy's like, yeah, we'll fix it. Uh, he says that he thinks Q, who in an earlier scene blew up his own car by accident, could <laughs> repair an elevator easily. Yeah. I thought you didn't care about mouldy ghosts you don't know, says Claire Poulet. Uh, well, now I know you and also want ghost sex, says yes. Buzzy. <laughs> yeah, the, so. the two, uh, yeah, the two of them in this scene are barely able to keep their hands off of each other. It's, it's weird. <laughs> okay, so they leave the hotel. Back at Shea Buzzy, as I will keep calling it. Um, they're laying out blueprints for the hotel. Q says... Forget it. The circuits are ancient, the cables are fried, and there hasn't been power there for 60 years. And Buzzy says, all fixable. <laughs> Based on nothing. Probably fixable. Prob all fixable. Q points out that he's a car mechanic and not a very good one, but Buzzy gives him a pep talk. I don't think you can pep talk people into engineering. I don't think you could be like, go on, build the bridge. Probably easy. It's gonna, you can do it. You just gotta have confidence. Oh no, look what happened to the bridge. Yeah. He, he does tell um, Q that his, his granddad thinks that he can do it and that gives him some, some confidence. But then yes. at this point, Jill bursts in and she explains the Abigail is Sally's sister news and Sorry. everyone is shocked. I, I know we don't have time to get into it, but I also just, so want to don't. Say, I just want to say that Q reveals that he was kicked out of the army, quote, cause he was useless, which is a disconcertingly vague reason to have to leave the army. Yeah. Cool, that's it. Forwards <laughs> and upwards. So Jill shows um, everyone the, the, uh, the notes um, uh, that kill and hate and all that stuff. Um, uh, and everyone realises that um, Abigail is, in fact, evil. How did I miss this, says Buzzy, the bad journalist. Um, Jill says, you have a story here, a real story. Now where's Abigail? They don't know, she's gone missing. So Jill says, here's what we've got to do. We've got to go to the sanitarium, get a statement, and then we'll have it on my desk for The Wire. And Buzzy says, whoa, you're going to run this story in the, in the banner? And she says, welcome back, partner. And he starts sort of jumping around excitedly. Yeah, he's like, Because he's an asshole. Yeah, he's like, he's like, hooray, forget about the ghosts. I'm going to be a journalist again. And Anna, his niece, is like, whoa, what about the plan to put these spirits to rest? And Buzzy's like, don't even worry about it. Bye. Yeah. We've got a clip of him going, bye. Bye. I guess the truth doesn't matter to you. Bye. Bye. 
Abigail was in the toilet, I guess. <laughs> they just didn't know. They forgot she was, she was like, oh, I'm going to use the facilities. While she was in there, they found out she's a witch. Forgot that she was in there. I, I, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Back at the Hollywood Tower Hotel uh, drop ride at Universal Studios. No, wait, yeah. Disney World, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the power is back to the hotel. The lights have come on outside. Inside, yeah. the lift shafts, the lights are all on. Yeah. Q steps inside, even though he's scared of ghosts. But he meets his ghost granddad, which is nice. Uh, why didn't you ever come in, Dewey, the bellhop who's his granddad says. Um, and, you know, they, they sort of have a little chat and it's quite sweet. Um, we get a scene at the newspaper office where Buzzy is typing his story in a sort of mopey, angry way and complaining a lot. Uh, yeah. And then he shouts, feeling guilty, and he leaves. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, so he, he leaves, he says, I've got to go, and Jill follows yeah. him. He, he's out of the picture just long enough to contribute basically nothing to the events of this movie. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, back at the hotel, Q is struggling to rewire a defunct hotel with no assistance tools or training. <laughs> and making things even harder, we see Abigail creep into the hotel in a big crushed velvet cape. <laughs> She's like... <laughs> 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 broomstick between her legs running up yeah, like, <laughs> just scurry, <laughs> scurries in <laughs> um, in the lobby the ghosts hear the sounds of the, the, the party upstairs yeah the music comes, starts coming through the speakers we're never going to make it by 805 we're never going to make it up, up, up to that thing where's Buzzy uh, Buzzy now is he's back at his home uh, Jill is on his tail Jill, Jill's like no Buzzy come back and, and write the story and Buzzy's like no i got to help these ghosts where could they be they're not here at my house, one of the three locations in the film, and we just came from the second location in the film, yeah. the newspaper office. I'm I, stumped. I'd be worried if Anna was missing, and with Q, and the only thing I know about Q for sure is that he got kicked out of the army and we're not sure why. For unspecified reasons. Yeah. And had taken her to an abandoned building. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, for, what Jill should say is like, well, I'll write this story then, because it, I, it is actually my story. I went to the sanitarium. I discovered the evidence. I discovered what happened to Sally Shine, so it's my story, really. Uh, I'm leaving you, and I hate you, Buzzy. Yeah. Um, but, but that's not what happens. Instead, yeah. they, they both go to the hotel. Um, Buzzy, At the hotel, it's where, uh, Abigail is starting the, the spell um, yes. to fully banish these people to hell. Because I guess. Well, yeah, she's going to banish the other four as well because didn't like didn't like the cut of their jib. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's like Dewey, just a nice bellhop. Yeah, it's like uh, go to hell. But guilt, I did good all deeds all my life. Yeah, but go spell. to hell. All guilty or something. Yeah. This uh, spell is more powerful than the judgment of the Christian God. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so uh, Q says, hey, I need a voltmeter because I'm trying to make a hotel work with no training or tools. So Anna runs to try and find one, and while she's sort of wandered away, she hears witch-like mutterings mm. echoing down the corridor. And she finds Abigail, uh, like, reciting her spell in, in the basement. Uh, meanwhile, Q 
throws a switch, and the elevator does indeed clankety clankety clank head down to the ground floor. They did it, which is great. Well done, Q. He did it. He's he's great, unlike Buzzy. Yeah. Um, Anna was unable to stop the spell being cast um, because she didn't shout "stop it" early enough. Um, so yeah, she she just looked for a while and then went stop it. Yeah. And it was like, ah, oh, you wish you'd got here a minute. So yeah. You know. Abigail explains that it's too late. The spell is cast. The elevator will crash the way it was supposed to 60 years ago. Yeah. Uh, in the lobby, however, the elevator doors have just opened and the ghosts are like, oh, good, the elevator, it's working, good, we can finally go to heaven or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they all step into the elevator, not knowing that a curse is about to plunge their souls into hell. Um, like on the ride. Anna runs up uh, to the elevator and somehow, in the confusion, Anna ends up in the elevator and the ghost of Sally Shine ends up out of it. Yeah. I've seen this several times and I still can't describe exactly what happens. It's like a magic trick. She yeah. sort of runs up like, oh, oh, and now I'm in the, uh, and you're, uh, and the door's closed. Yeah. But so, the stakes now are that uh, Anna is in the haunted elevator that's going to crash. Um, Sally is outside and Buzzy arrives with Jill and he's got to try and stop this lift from crashing. The spell has already been cast though. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, what are they going to do? So they, they run to find Abigail. They're like, you must be able to reverse this spell. And she goes on a self-pitying rant about how brunette she was. Um, <laughs> how no one cared about her. She couldn't sing and dance. And it was her birthday and no one even knew or cared about it. Um, and, yeah, she says that by disappearing Sally, she accidentally made her a legend. But now she'll set things right by sending her soul to hell. Which, which no one in the wider world will hear about. She'll still be a legend. Yeah. Just with a soul in hell. I don't know. Um, but then... A whole new audience of black metal fans. <laughs> but then, uh, who should stroll up to, to Abigail on this scene but Sally Shine herself? Let's see, let's see how that plays out. If you could talk to Abigail, what would you tell her? I'd tell her... I'm sorry. You're sorry for what? For not getting to her birthday party. My birth... My birthday... It was a surprise. Whoa, the, the party was for Abigail. I, I, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. You loved Abigail, didn't you? She was my best friend. Lol. <laughs> <laughs> Embarrassing. Oh. Killed my sister with a witch's curse. Turns out she actually liked me. <laughs> I could have enjoyed a comfortable life basking in her reflected fame and glory, but I killed her because I thought she didn't like me, even though she did, and the party was for me. It's so, oh, it's so choice. Uh. Um, also, huge swing there from Buzzy when he's like, Buzz, uh, hey, hey uh, Sally, what would you say to your sister if you could speak to her? Because, like, Sally could just be like, I'd say learn to dance, you piece of <laughs> shit. Get a better hair colour, idiot. <laughs> But no, no, I dropped some of all my money on yeah. the floor. But no, um, yeah, Sally says that Abigail was her best friend and she even kept her birthday present, which is a bracelet with two hearts on it, symbolising that they'd always be together. Yeah, so Abigail has now had a change of heart. She's like, oh no, I should stop this lift. But the spell's already been cast, it can't oh no. be undone. Oh no, it can't be undone, what are they going to do? But that thing that Buzzy kept reading earlier, which sounded like a sex spell, about a And spell could still be... <laughs> A, a spell of, can do two things. A spell of passion can only be countered by its contrary. Yes. But no one knows what that means. So, but, but Buzzy sort of remembers this. Like, oh, we can 
counter this spell of passion. This is sort of portrayed in the film as character growth, like he remembered a thing. It's like, oh, well done, Buzzy. Well done, Buzzy. You're doing a really good job. So, at this point, the elevator with the ghosts and Anna in it is at the 11th floor of the hotel, right? In the shaft. Yes. And the other, the other characters all get into the maintenance service elevator, which is the one you get on in the actual ride, but it's, I don't know, doesn't, doesn't matter. They get into that and they, uh, they ride it up to the same level. Yes. And so, this yes. is where it gets quite complicated to describe. These elevators share a shaft. Yeah. And there's an access hatch at the back of each elevator, which opens out into the shaft. And the plan is to have Kirsten Dunst jump from one elevator to another because runtime. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yes, yeah, so they head to the. So, Q, Abigail, and Buzzy head to the, this rusty service elevator. Um, Q gets it started. There's just time for Buzzy to grab Jill and pull her into this death trap. Yeah. She says, I really don't want to be here. I don't think that was in the script. I think that's the actress. Yeah. Um, I really don't want to be here. Yep. Yeah. Is it okay if I leave? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm not in this film. Steve yeah. Gutenberg just grabbed me <laughs> by the shoulders. Uh, so, yeah, so, so they, they spring open these hatches. Uh, it's very tense because the moment is approaching. The clock is about to strike five past. Lightning is about to strike. What will happen? Let's find out in this clip. Oh. What? It's showtime. Come on, one, two, three, now! Like in the ride! <laughs> Finally! The elevator, they did the, they did the thing at last. Um, I think it's so funny that Abigail, the evil witch who did all this, like, goes to heaven while everyone else <laughs> is sort of plummeting into a crunched up bone heap. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the contrary to the spell, it turned out, was the sisters' love for one another. Um, it's all very frozen. Uh, this <laughs> it's not like. It's not good like Frozen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the spell hit both elevators. The main elevator is there. It opens. All the ghosts are in it. Um, Dewey says, going up. Pulls the thing. The lift goes all the way up. It's a bit tense, but then it hits floor 12. They made it. Yes. Um, they walk into this child's birthday party. That it's is full of old people in tuxedos drinking champagne. And <laughs> yeah. They, they arrive in the saucy LA sex lounge. That was to be Abigail's surprise birthday party. It was the 1930s. Maybe what Abigail wanted for her birthday was yeah. like blackjack and cigars. There was, a lot, there was a lot of lead in the paint. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so. Claire sings, uh, sings a song as she was always meant to. She thanks Buzzy, um, takes the stage to sing. Um, she is I fing Buzzy throughout this entire song. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she's locked eyes with Buzzy for this entire thing. Sally yeah, yeah, reunites yeah. with her parents. They vanish. Uh, Miss Partridge vanishes, having got Sally back to her parents. Um, Dewey and his father reunite. They vanish. Gilbert gets on the mic, asks Claire to marry him, even though she's been hitting on Buzzy this whole time. Yeah, and they're both dead. Yeah. 
She says yes, and then they both go to heaven. <laughs> um, then the, the mortals hear a child's voice. Am I late for the party? And who appears behind them? It's young Abigail, as she appeared on that fateful night. Yeah, and still she, brunette, though. <laughs> she's joined by her sister Sally. Uh, Abigail says, thank you, Buzzy, to the person who empirically did the least of everyone. <laughs> and they both walk up some stairs and go to heaven. <laughs> and then what should happen next is that everyone who's still there goes to jail for Abigail's murder because <laughs> she, she, her body is gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's a paper trail and a lot of her DNA in Buzzy's house. Yep. Jill was, Jill was just found in her house. Yeah, going, going through, through her stuff. stuff. <laughs> Cameras saw her enter the building and never come out. But instead, there's, a, there's an epilogue in which Q inherits the hotel. Uh, they reopen it and, wow, the lobby is just hopping. It's just hopping. <laughs> the, Jumping and jiving. They're, they're photographed for a new story written by Buzzy. Hollywood Tower reopens. 60-year-old mystery solved. Yep. That is the newspaper. That, I mean, wait, bury the lead. <laughs> yeah. Ghosts are real. <laughs> Hell is real! <laughs> Turn to page 23 for some tips about mayonnaise. You will not <laughs> believe. And in the light of learning that hell is real, you may want to reconsider them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, that's where the movie ends. That's the, and that's, that's the film. So yeah. what did we learn? <laughs> you, can do, you can kill five people with witchcraft and still go to heaven. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. What's you... the upper limit, I wonder? <laughs> exactly. Nobody, no crime. Um, okay, yeah, that was the Tower of Terror movie. Um, it's all right, I guess. Uh, it's, no Pirates of the Caribbean, is it? It is, it is actually pretty fun to see so much of the ride, but I think I'm, I'm coming from the point of view of someone who is a big fan of the actual ride. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's good. Okay. Uh, okay, it is... The last responsibility that we have tonight is to find out what decon we're doing next. Yes. All right. So the next decon we are doing, Luke, is 2003's Right On Track. Um, okay. Okay. Right On Track, somehow starring Brie Larson. When Erica Enders enters the male-dominated world of junior drag racing at the age of eight. I swear I'm not making this up. She quickly becomes a force to be reckoned with on the drag strip. Why do they do junior drag racing? It sounds very dangerous. Once Erica's sister Courtney follows in her footsteps, it isn't long before Enders is a household name in the kids' drag racing world. But life on the tracks isn't without challenges as the sisters face fierce competitors who'd rather not have girls winning in their sport. Life on the track is not without challenges. Challenges like driving a drag race car when you're eight when years you're old. A literal child. Um, yeah, so okay. it's got Brie Larson. It's got drag racing. How could it suck? <laughs> it In does. so many ways. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, everyone, thank for coming you. down here tonight. We really appreciate you being here. And thank you so much to all the staff here at the, the Prince Charles Cinema. Thank you to Jamie up in the projection room for thank doing you. such a wonderful job. Um, As a yeah. okay, we're gonna we're gonna go out now. As a treat, you can watch the Michael Eisner thing again, right? Can we do that? Can we one more time? Can we see Michael? Eisner? Okay, okay. Thank you, everyone. Hello. 
I'm Michael Eisner. Music and sound play such an important role in setting the mood both in filmmaking and in our daily lives. That's why I do some of my best thinking in elevators. They're so safe and quiet, and they always have such, such nice music. Wow. Once again, a bright idea has come to me in an elevator. The next time, I think I'll take the stairs. Welcome to the wonderful world of Disney. Thank you so much, everyone, for coming. Have a wonderful rest of your night. So thanks again, everyone, who made the effort to come out to the live show. It was awesome. We had a great time. It was great. We had a great time. Um, we were uh, kept to a very strict time limit, if it seemed like we were a little rushed at the end there. <laughs> it's um, because we were. Well, it's because we absolutely were. Well, well... To be fair, we did spend a lot of time talking about something that wasn't the film. Which and was whose fault was that? Eisner in an elevator. What you're saying is like blaming a pirate who's found treasure. Mm. Like if I raised a chest of gold and you were like, well, that's so, annoying. Now I'll have to spend all that. I'm going to have to, yeah, spend ages counting all that booty. Yeah, it's going to take yeah. ages to count. Probably lose my place. <laughs> Annoying. So thank yeah. So thanks a lot, Luke. I'm annoyed now. <laughs> thanks for nothing. Um, so yeah, thanks to everyone who came out. Thanks to you for listening. Um, do check out uh, Mum Can't Cook extra helpings on Patreon if you want to support yeah. the podcast and also get extra bonus yeah. episodes into the bargain. Go to patreon.com forward slash extra helpings and you can sign up and listen to Luke and I recapping episodes of So Weird, Absolutely. the Disney Channel sci-fi TV kids show. It's great fun and it's the best way to support the show if you're enjoying it. Not only do you get bonus content, but frankly, it is the kind of thing that makes things like the live show we just did possible because it was no small job of work to organise and it was only because we had essential production help on the podcast that we were able to basically make that happen. So... Yeah, it was great. We had a lovely time. And yeah, check out Extra Helpings. Do yeah, so. Yeah, check out Extra Helpings. Uh, if you want to buy some merch, you can go to momcan'tcookstore.com and buy yourself a t-shirt, maybe a sticker. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever. All sorts going on over there. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, whatever floats your boat. Check it out. As we said, we'll be back uh, next time with the kid drag racing movie. Yeah. Oh, check out my Substack. Uh-oh.substack.com yes. for horror stories. I'm doing it till the end of November. So still time to get on board, catch up with the archive. Uh, that's uhoh.substack.com. Check it out. Presumably, once it gets into December, the Substack stories will change to charming and non-frightening Christmas tales. They'll become extremely saccharine. Yeah. Um, quite Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, sto stories about um, Christmas and such. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, hang around for Andy's fables. <laughs> and Andy's festive fables. Andy's faith-based <laughs> Faith-based festive fables. Faith-based festive fables. One in your email every week. <laughs> yeah, so stay subscribed now and you'll be all ready for that. Okay, thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Bye. Bye. You do have a sin to confess. The sin of envy. <laughs> <laughs>